Hi and welcome to this episode of Dynamics Update. This will be a regular episode and as usual I have my colleague Gustav Sundblad with me. Hi Gustav. Hi Johan, how are you this evening? Uh, I am a bit tired, it's a bit late, uh, but uh, that's okay, and it's especially it's a bit warm, <laughs> it's uh, like this extremely warm summer, and it's almost into September soon, and, and it's still, if you dare to say it, hot as something. Yeah, let's not go there, this is a family-friendly podcast, you <laughs> <Yeah>, Exactly, <laughs> but, but uh, I'm getting a bit frustrated, because uh, I, I usually say when, it, when we had these extremely good summers, I'm almost hoping for like three weeks of constant rain in August, so that you can stay in and watch movies and play <laughs> video games. Yeah, you're gonna get there. Though. So, so just be be assured, those days are coming as well. So let's let's enjoy the weather while it's there. But it is really hot. I I agree. Yes, but we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk about 10.0.29, the latest preview of finance latest and operations. And yes. the latest and greatest. Yeah, it's, it's always the latest and greatest, right? <laughs> yeah. We're always up there. So uh, I I would like I would like to start. We've been talking about features that are mandatory, features that are on by default but could be disabled, and features are that are off by default. Hmm. And from I haven't seen this actually before, but from this uh, release notes section, uh, Microsoft has actually released a list for the new update, which has all of the on by default and mandatory features documented. Which is very good because that is a perfect way where place to start when you are trying to have some kind of an application life cycle for your features. Hmm. So when you go into, I've, I've talked about this before, that when you go into your sprint period, uh, I, I usually tell my customers that you need to manage features the same way you do this under the design requests. Hmm. So features should be. A part of your DevOps board, it should be uh, like tested in the different environments and verified, and you should try to get as many as possible enabled as early as possible. I mean, there are always uh, some low-hanging fruit that you could basically just enable and just have like the regular regression testing, verifying that it doesn't screw anything up. <laughs> Totally, but then there are of course important ones that that need more uh, rigorous testing and uh, which also need to be part of the sprint. And it might not even be part of this sprint; it might be part of the next sprint. But you should have a plan. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Absolutely. And and I would say that this list is a very good place to to like uh, create the plan because you yeah. you see that in this. I mean, if you have a, if if you export the the feature management uh, table from FNO, you get a list of everything that's enabled and everything that is disabled and everything that is in preview and so on. And then just take the list that you get from the release notes, check it off with your Excel spreadsheet that you have with all of the features, mm. and verify that are there any ones that that go to mandatory. Uh, this time and in that case we need really really need to make them happen this time yeah exactly it's a very good it's easy um this format has been changed as you say it makes things easier but it, again just make sure to do it because it's really um 
it might create some issues otherwise. Uh, so it's a good new format, makes things easier to just uh, read through the documentation and the release notes. It should be a conscious decision to, to enable them. But with that being said, you shouldn't wait too long either because the problem is that you, you tend to end up in a situation where you, you uh, cut your testing time short instead. If you just yeah, and in forward. the end, if you just push everything forward, like you say, you get another, you get more features that will come in, and hopefully, I mean, they w should not be breaking anything, but uh, uh, better to be like, uh, if you have the possibility to do this before your testing cycle begins, then you save a lot of time in the end. Yes. So with a good segue, because one of my first or my first item um, from today's list was again uh, something I think we discussed before. The, um, the user-based service protection API limits. That's a long sentence. But uh, what it is, again, a quick summary is the new API service protection limits coming in to ensure system stability. Basically, it's limits under a sliding window saying that you can only do X amount of uh, OData calls in this case or custom service APIs as well. These are, I'm not going to go into detail on too much about these, but um, as per your comment, Yuan, this uh, in this release, this feature is optional. Uh, it's coming in. It's disabled by default in version 30. So the next version, actually, uh, coming after this, it will be enabled by default, uh, but then you can optionally disable it. Uh, but it's targeted to become mandatory in version uh, 33. So this is kind of a well, textbook case of how the feature works. Uh, first, it comes in as disabled and optional, but very, very soon here, um, it's going to be enabled by default. So make sure if you have a lot of OData sensitive scenarios or um, make sure that these are properly tested or, and if you hit the limits, you need to find a way to, to work around that and resolve it. Uh, there's a very good tech talk I can recommend here as well. Uh, that's available, I think, on the tech talk forum, um, going through this in, in good detail. And it is quite documented too to uh, understand these limits and how they might impact you. So very important point to look at. Yes, um, and uh, the next part uh, from my end is we have talked about, about uh, features being deprecated in, in FNO. So old AX2012 features and even new features from, from FNO that's actually been deprecated and removed. Uh, this time we will talk about deprecated features in LCS because as we have mentioned before, uh, LCS is eventually going away. LCS is, mm. is being deprecated all in all, but, but Microsoft are, is doing it gradually. So they are removing uh, functionality that um, they, their telemetry tells them that, that almost no one is using. And of course, with saying almost, there is always a couple of people that get really, really mad and say that this is especially an essential part of our entire application lifecycle, so you can't remove it. So what they're cleaning up in this release is uh, mainly 2012 things. So being able to host AX2012 environments in, in Azure using LCS, which was basically the only supported way to do it. Uh, you, you can't do that anymore because 2012 is going out of, of uh, support. Uh, <clears throat> uh, there were a lot of other things called, like uh, license sizing, usage profile. And there is actually one that, that I was... Uh, uh, a bit surprised about. There was a, a feature <laughs> that I mentioned a couple of, of uh, 
I've mentioned before and that, that I've mentioned in every single talk I've done called Impact Analyzer, which was actually in preview, which never got released and that is now being removed. So it will <laughs> never, ever go into See GA. The no, it, okay. it, it will never go into GA. Okay. Which is a bit sad because I thought it was a, a good idea. We have a couple of things regarding uh, business process uh, handling and so on, which is also um, being deprecated as well. So, yeah. so look at look at the release notes. There is a link to this uh, LCS uh, removed things, which is which is a good thing. Take a look yeah. at that. Again, trying to stay ahead of uh, not investing too much in something that's going out. That's a good. Um, Good point. Um, speaking of things going out and coming in, uh, we have um, some. My next point here is um, an addition to the Warehouse Mobile app. And when I read this, I, I had to, to um, remind myself because there's been a number of apps, right? And a lot has been deprecated. I remember the first app I used was the Timesheets app for AX2012, the previous version was. I think I thought it was really cool. It was like, yeah, now we have an app. Now we are a real ERP system. <laughs> but, uh, and I remember like it, it, it had to be on R2. So we actually upgraded our internal um, ERP just to be able to use the app. It was such a driver to use the app for timesheet reporting. Uh, but uh, now the um, uh, the old warehouse app has been deprecated, right? And this is the, the one that's the warehouse management app, basically the... Um, Whereas management mobile app and it has a new feature called query data basically it's data inquiry uh, using detours um, and it's uh, quite it's not that complicated to set up really but it's uh, I brought it up because it actually brings to light a scenario where reality can sometimes conflict with how a system is designed uh, because a lot of these apps this one not um, withstanding uh, is built around like scan the barcode do this do this and do this it's it's built around data input being very uh, like streamlined and always working and that's not the case if you if you work if you worked at a warehouse before you know um that the barcodes can become dirty you have a lot of like real real scenarios where you don't always get a delivery from a vendor where you get like this nice scannable barcode and everything just works seamlessly that's the demo scenario that we show <laughs> but it's not how it works I used to work at a retailer. They just their morning were just they opened up the uh, the goods dock and it's like a number of like blank crates stood there, no documentation, nothing whatsoever. It's like okay, what's this? So they had to open it up and like do some detective work. Like half an hour was spent on doing like detective work, finding it out and. If you have a warehouse mobile app dependent on scanning a barcode, you have to go and then print the barcode and then scan it to do inbound receiving. So what this feature does is it adds a way um, to filter and query in the warehouse mobile app. So in the scenario, you would maybe either you could find which vendor it is at least, and then you can input that vendor name or any other like information that you that you can use and search for open POs and making the data input easier. So it's a, it's a more efficient process than having to go back to a workstation and finding out which PO it is. So a good example where um, like reality hit us and we found a way to to uh, <laughs> to at least uh, allow um, system designers to, to find a solution for it. Uh, so technically it's just make, being able to query data and filter out uh, open POs uh, and work with that. But 
I really, I can really see the pain points where, where this came from. <laughs> That's why I brought it up as a, as a good item. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. So uh, now we come to a feature that's been a bit improved. Um, we have long had uh, evaluating fields in a grid, so you can actually write in like a, a formula into the into the grid cell. So if you're like, uh, if you want to add like uh, fifteen plus twenty items of something you can actually type into the cell 15 plus 20 and then press enter and it will be evaluated and added as a number it will be calculated as as you do in excel for instance yeah. but this has only worked in a grid before it hasn't worked in in separate fields outside of the grid in in a workspace or so uh, so what i've actually added now is that you get the same functionality in uh, in other kind of fields in any the system. numerical field, right? Any exactly. Field <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Any numerical field. You, you can add like 15 times 4 and it will evaluate to, uh, to 60. All this time and investment pouring into the product and now we have Excel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have stayed with Excel all the time. <laughs> stayed with Excel. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's true. Cool. But we discussed this, I think we've run it a number of times, but it makes total sense, of course, to bring... I'm guessing it's it's hopefully um, extending the capabilities that exist in the Excel uh, online app. So uh, at one point in time, the grid is just going to be Excel, right? Yeah. Um, hopefully, at least. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or I'm not sure. And, and you hope. can add Excel formulas to the instead of writing X plus plus code. You can write. Yeah, write but Excel. I think PowerFX is going to come in there, right? From Power from the Power Platform. That's also really really cool. Um, yes. Like designing in the end, we, we won't use Visual Studio to customize it because it's too complicated under the hood. We'll just be allowed to work with PowerFX. Yep. We'll yep. see. Yep. Where it ends up. Uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, my next one, uh, it's commerce related. Um, it's gift cards and not really like, like the new feature here is um, gift card functionality being added to the cross company data sharing. Uh, that's a functionality that enables you to cross company share across specific tables. If you remember, previously, we had this like virtual table set up in AX2012. We have a number of scenarios where you want to have master data sharing or uh, in this case just cross-company data sharing for specific tables here it adds it for uh, retail gift card tables for scenarios usually like legally you're not you don't have diff you have different gift cards in different countries usually so that's it's more like if you have you might have different legal entities you might have a franchise scenario where you want to be able of course to have like one brand gift card working regardless of the ownership percentage of that particular store. Uh, so from a technical perspective, this makes it easier to use because you don't have to like find a way to, to make sure that that particular gift card works cross-company. Um, so the originating company gift card table will be shared to a duplicated company gift card table. Yep, that's, uh, that's nice. Uh, okay, so my next one is actually in accounts payable. It has to do with with an, a new entity, uh, which which uh, handles vendor invoice charges. So we're actually having it as a completely separate entity, which means mm -hmm. that we can actually import it in a in a better manner, and we can use it for with the open in Excel and and our data and EMF and everything like that. So that's mm -hmm. cool. Cool. Um, it was a charges entity, right? Uh, vendor invoice charges. So I, I've always, I'm always getting a bit frustrated when, 
when I realized that what I would like to do doesn't have an entity. And that means that I can't do it, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, my next topic is uh, moving on to the finance one. Uh, again, I think this is a topic that has been brought up before, the tax calculation engine. I just think it's nice. We discussed previously the um, format of the release documentation and the tax calculation. Um, what has happened in this release is that now we support periodical journals. So I was just reading up on, on if you look at each release historically, they just keep adding new uh, functionality to use the service. And it's really, it's pretty cool. It's um, To quote, it's a hyper-scalable multi-tenant service um, that enables the global tax engine to automate uh, tax terminations. What, what you basically do, you set up a number of tax rules in an external, uh, this is really the definition of a microservice, right? But the multi-tenant part is what I want to bring up with you, Iwan, because that's really uh, makes it so that in scenarios where you have a lot of different tenants, but you have a, like a group organization, you can still keep your tax rules set up into just one microservice and it's available across your tenants. Um, that's something to look into um, and use if you, uh, if you have a lot of complicated tax rules. It makes it easier to, to maintain. It also makes it easier so that you update the tax rules the same way everywhere. Uh, yeah, exactly, and it makes it easier because then, then you, if you have pending cha coming changes, or uh, it is like tax changes are not uh, like super agile, right? It's not going to be changed tomorrow, <laughs> but no. but even so, it makes it easier because you don't have to to like customize the code, and you can you can have your own tax rules. Uh, different countries have different levels of complexity, of course, uh, and different like. Um, frequency of updates as well but it's also from a performance standpoint as well because you can put a lot of like take some strain off tax calculation um and uh, within the erp so it makes sense to use if your business needs um need it yes uh, my next one is also an lcs one uh, because uh, microsoft has changed a bit how the update of the production and sandbox environment has, has is, is being done so mm. traditionally, when you did an update of the default sandbox environment, the automatic update process actually sort of stopped uh, because Microsoft reasoned that, okay, so you, you are on top of this. You are doing the updates and you have a plan, so we won't bother you and you can handle it by yourself. The problem was that uh, there probably was some customers using this loophole to not have to update. So they updated their environment and then they could basically do everything on their own time plan instead of Microsoft's. Mm. So what you need to be aware of here is that they have changed their behavior, meaning that if you have updated your default sandbox environment and uh, your scheduled update window occurs, Microsoft will actually update your other a sandbox environment and your production environment as well if you haven't paused them if you haven't gone into yeah. lcs and actually actively set them to pause the next version mm. so it's it's really really important that you actually go in and you're proactive and that you actually do the pausing of the the updates okay super interesting and super important to keep track of of course all right, my last one here, um, there are a number of updates here, but the last one I decided to bring up is another finance-related one. It's uh, on General Ledger. This is a feature um, that allows users 
of specific roles, that is accounting manager and accounting supervisor, to actually modify internal data on posted vouchers. This is typically like if it's posted, you can't change it, of course. Um, so what you're currently limited to is to edit the description field. I'm guessing there's a use case here where you need to kind of go in afterwards and write something on a post voucher. And this is just the description field here. So where you're not changing any posted values or anything like that. And there's an audit trail for it um, for all changes. But the reason I brought it up is um, from an interesting like change tracking perspective, because I know for a fact some previous integrations uh, I've seen were kind of relying on posted values being um, modified date time or uh, like even classic change tracking that will this then modify that particular record so it gets exported again might make sense to look into if you're relying on those types of, of tracking if you now have features coming in allowing you to modify previously unmodifiable data uh, that's something to look into and see i haven't looked at this feature to see how it actually technically works um, but I bring it up as, as a point of interest to look into for ledger-based ledger integrations. Um, it might or might not have, a, have an impact on those. I also have a, a tiny one, uh, and it has to do with data management and refresh entity list. So um, this is a small change. It basically means that when you run refresh entity list that you can do manually, it's actually run as a batch job instead of as a as a interactive job. So if you have a specific batch AUSs and you have priorities for batch jobs, then it will be handled by those. Okay, that's also very interesting. And I, I've always been confused a bit about why this isn't part of like you why why you can't schedule this as a as a regular batch job and just have it run regularly but it shouldn't uh, you shouldn't have to run regularly you should only have to run it whenever you do any changes in metadata or well if you need to do it like after a release or as part of a release um, i don't see the need to do that uh, any other time than when something has changed on entity and metadata level and and yet we have to do it uh, well, once yeah, again we have <laughs> yeah sure but the reason and then you have to do it, but you, you um, a lot of disclaimers. You shouldn't have to do it, but you still end up in situations where you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, it, you, it should just be done as part of the release. I mean, I mean, that's I'm the same sure thing why. that I I think about the 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 mappings, the entity mappings, which is also also one of those that that of course you can go in and change them, but normally there are no there are no changes to the entity mappings because. They aren't documented and they aren't deployed as regular code and so on. So, I mean, if someone has it's, been... Uh, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, but it's, it's the risk of breaking, right? That's why you want to decouple it. That's uh, at least how I understand the reasoning of not doing it. A lot of people do it uh, as part of the deploy. Like, I think you can actually automate it as well. Um, so they do it as part of the deploy anyway. So it's not a problem. But um, the reasoning for decoupling it, I think, is to just, like ensure that you don't get breaking changes so that, that you're able to go in and modify them at the same time if you need to do anything but i i think it i have never run into an issue with that so i think it makes sense to have it as a batch job if it takes time it's always been a little, a little bit unclear like yeah refresh the entity list and then you have to you have to actually refresh to see if it is done or not yeah, because <laughs> so. because as long as it says 
we are currently refreshing the entity yeah, list, exactly. then it's refreshing. But yeah, exactly. once it says, now I've started refreshing the entity list, then you know that it's been refreshed again. Yeah, you have to like <laughs> click on DMF and just refresh. So it makes more sense to have it as a batch job, but it's a good point. Uh, if you have throttling or prioritization, you might not get the expected end time of yep, your refresh. Yep, so yep, that's a very yep. good point to bring but up. But you, you never get the expected end time of the refresh anyway. <laughs> no, but this might be way off your expected end time, okay. right? Yeah, yep. uh, that's good. Good point. I have nothing else uh, for this release. Um, looking forward to uh, reviewing uh, 10.30 soon. Yes. And with that, uh, let's uh, end it there and uh, say goodbye to all of the audience. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much.